Join us each week as Andrew, Ray, and others bring us in on one of their weekly phone conversations with an amazing agent. This is Little Oak Weekly. Hello there, everybody. This is Andrew Bracewell, and you're listening to Little Oak Weekly. On this week's episode, we get to spend some time with Sean Webster. Sean, as you will hear, is an amazing conversationalist. I just love spending the time with her that I did. And we get into some really cool topics. We talk about her previous career working in uh, in radio. She was actually the eye in the sky, those helicopters that fly above us and tell us what's going on in traffic in the mornings and afternoons. I had no idea that that was part of her past, but we get into that and that was quite fun and exciting. We talk about the challenges of the market and representing buyers right now and some of the challenges that come with sellers and a few other interesting topics as well. Her uh, life as a server at the keg. Uh, did you know that she used to serve John Corey in the Abbotsford keg location back in the day? So all kinds of fun things we get into. I really enjoyed my time with Sean. She's a, she's a really cool individual and I'm sure you'll enjoy this episode as well. So without further ado, here is Sean Webster. Good morning. Good morning. So we're doing this again. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot has happened since the last time around. That's for sure. I know. I know. I, that was, I look back on that. That was April, April, 2020. Me, you, Sandra and Pratik. Remember that? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. With all our, our sage wisdom about what the uh, uh, pandemic would bring. Wasn't that crazy? <laughs> like we, I, I, I actually, you know, I should have listened uh to the, I, I didn't listen to that podcast. I should have listened to it. It would have been interesting to, to just I don't know, hear what we what we thought or what yeah. or what we were thinking at that time. Maybe I'll re-listen to that. That was a very different. Yeah, I don't think any of us knew what was going on at that time. That was that was weird I, times. Well, I think we all thought it was going to be over by fall, right? So well, remember, uh, two weeks to flatten the curve. I believe was the yeah. was was yeah. the quote. That's right. Yeah. Here we are, whatever it is, 19, 20 months later. And that curve is not flat. No, no, uh, we just, I mean, we just have a new, we just have a new virus that we have to live with forever. That's, that's, that's yeah. all it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So where do you live? I uh, live in Surrey in Fraser Heights area. Fraser Heights. North side of the okay. Thing. Yeah. I was trying to, freeway. I was trying to envision, you know, where you'd be talking, where you'd be sitting as we're talking this morning. I thought to myself, I don't even know where you, I don't know if you're a condo, townhouse, house. Do you have a house in Fraser Heights? Yeah, we're in a house. Yeah, we're in a house. I've been here since 94. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Few ho- I'm actually, I'm on my fifth house in this neighborhood. <laughs> in the same neighborhood? Yeah. So tell me about the neighborhood. Are you live in like the street of all streets or what? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. It is a nice neighborhood. Um, definitely some very high-end homes in a couple of areas. Yeah. We're not in those areas, but <laughs> but, but decent area. Don't be sure. shy. Don't be shy. Yeah, no, 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 we're not. But it's, you know, we're on a regular size lot, right? We're not on, on one of the half acres. But um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it's been a great area. It's been a great area to raise the kids and all of that. It's changed a lot Hmm. it's changed a lot when when i was just kind of thinking about um some of the things we were going to chat about i thought you know i I feel like there's a pretty big difference and i'm maybe getting ahead of where the conversation's going but whatever you're the boss you go where you want (laughs) between where we are here 
and um, where you're practicing real estate in Abbotsford. Like the changes have, you know, obviously continually moved eastward, but um, just in the way we do things here, it's changed so much because of immigration. Like our neighborhood, that the the cultural identity of our neighborhood has changed, you know, really drastically in the last ten to fifteen years. So interesting. Yeah, yeah. So really I don't. You way. think it's that different in Surrey than it is where I am? I do. I do. I. 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 I mean, I think it's coming that way, but I think, um, and it has, you know, continually progressed. But I think. It started here a lot longer ago. Sure. And, okay. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And you mean uh-huh. you mean like so? In, when did you move into the neighborhood in the nineties? Yeah, in the nineties. And yeah. is your home built in the nineties? Our home now currently was built in twenty eleven. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so it was mm-hmm. re. I was envisioning you were in a nineties type neighborhood, but that's a newer street then. Uh, actually, the house right next to me is a nineties house, but the house on the other side was built with mine, so it was a. Huh. Wild. Uh, it, yeah. So that you know, it's kind of pockets, I guess. But. So are your is your neighborhood a mix of like all different demographics, races and backgrounds, or is it now predominantly South Asian or what is it? Uh it's it's becoming more of a mix almost, I would say, but for a while it has been predominantly uh a Chinese background, I Chinese. would say. Chinese, okay. Chinese Chinese and Korean, and yeah. um, and a little bit more South Asian now, probably too. But this is not an area in Surrey that was predominantly South Asian, where other neighborhoods are, right? Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So and Middle Eastern now too. Like you know what? It's you know what's interesting. And so I've been involved in the high school for the last. Well, I'm not anymore, but I was for the last few years. And and going to commencement year after year sure. at our high school. Yeah. You would see the changes. In the makeup right. of the kids graduating, right. right? And you mean it's not just a bunch of little white faces walking across the stage anymore? Is that not that's well, not the thing? There's there's very few white faces. Actually. I know it would be yeah. yeah totally it would it's yeah we are a melting yeah. pot for the world that's for sure yeah no absolutely Abbots- which is a great thing. So do you is your perception of Abbotsford is that we're not that or what? Why do you think Abbotsford's so different than where you are? Uh, well, I, I just don't think. I mean, it probably isn't as much now but i mean over the last few years so i was thinking of our business models and i was thinking yeah. of farming an area and that ah, kind of thing and okay, i got feel it, got like it. farming in this area i mean i know some realtors who have farmed this area for you know 25 years and it's not working for them because the they don't speak did. cantonese or korean yeah, or hindi or whatever don't know who they are yeah, like yeah, it yeah. used to be that you know people kind of knew who they were now they're like who's this right like Mm, you know, it's just the changes of our society, right? And it's not good or bad. It's just different. And and so I think you have to rethink how you're how you're approaching um, the way you do business, right? Because mm-hmm. everybody's got their people they're going to go to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's it. You know what? That is an interesting. Uh, that's an interesting thought. I have farmed two neighborhoods in my years of real estate. And I would say that both of them, I never had to think through a language or culture barrier thing because both of them, I would say, you know, they were, the majority of them were still, um, whatever, European descent, Caucasian neighborhoods, right? Now, right. One, of, one of them has changed, uh, I would say fairly significantly over the last six or seven years, but it's not in, not to a point where like, I, like, I think there are some neighborhoods where like, you need to speak the language. But I, I would describe um, the cultural shift in the neighborhoods I'm thinking of where there wouldn't necessarily be a need to speak 
Korean or Punjabi or anything like that, because everybody that in the neighborhoods I'm around anyway, it's all still, you know, English first. And I guess maybe what you're describing is you're surrounded, you're in some areas where it's not English first. Is that right? Yeah, I would say yeah. that. Yeah. 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 For a lot of my neighbors, it's probably not. Yeah. So that certainly limits. Um, yeah. You can't, I mean, I mean, I'm not that you can't farm it, but I can imagine the, uh, the productivity of farming, it would be significantly different than. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't think it's worth it, yeah. you know, and, and honestly, I go to my mailbox and I get, you know, five different things on any given day. So from different realtors. So mm-hmm. I wonder about the effectiveness of that anyway, but. Do you ever yeah. get, do you ever get anything dropped directly at your door? Opposed yeah, to in your mailbox? Yeah, I, occasionally. I, that's what I did when I, when I started farming. I did very little of mail and cause my, my thought on the mail was that you're just amongst all the rest of the noise with everybody else. And typically people just go through their, their mail over top of the recycling bin. Right. And yeah. I experienced significant different, significantly different results by doing door to door delivery. And in fact, the door to door delivery ended up being relatively the same cost as the mail delivery because of the increased cost with Canada post. So I could right. pay, I could pay somebody 20 bucks an hour they would deliver roughly a hundred homes in an hour. And when I worked it all out, it really wasn't different than going through Canada post yet. I felt like I was getting, um, better readership and attention just by the fact that I'm landing on the door rather than in the, in the junk mail with everybody else. Right. But right. That being yeah. said, I stopped doing that. So when COVID hit, I stopped doing that because of the perception of having random people walk onto people's yards and yeah. I haven't gone back to it yet and I've been doing mail. And so I'm, I'm doing the same neighborhood I've always done, but I'm doing mail. And so I'm, I'm, I'm sensing that the mail is not as effective at the, at the door to door. So hmm. we'll see. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, anyway, I've gone completely, I do completely the referral program. So it's, you know, I do mail, but it's just to my people. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have, so you've never farmed a neighborhood? Uh, very, a little bit in the very beginning, but, um, Really not much since, no. When was the beginning for you? Uh, end of 2007. Okay. Yeah. And what and, precipitated um, that? Well, why did you become a realtor? Huh, well. <laughs> not, that it's, not that it's a bad idea, but why would you become a realtor? Um, well, you know what? It, it was actually something I had. I had actually signed up for the course in my late 20s. Um, I was, I was in broadcasting, right? So I started in broadcasting, wasn't kind of doing too much in the first couple of years thought, you know, I don't know, I may never make any money in broadcasting. So signed up for the course through UBC, but there was a waiting list at the time to get into it. So I was on the waiting list and then I got a job offer in radio and went, "Eh, okay. What year, what year was that approximately? Uh, let me see. That'd be probably like 80, 80, 89. So you did broadcasting or that you were in that field for quite some time then. Yeah, 24 years, yeah. And who did you, like, what were you doing? Like, were you on radio, TV? What was your thing? Mostly radio. um, Radio morning shows, mostly. So for over 20 years, I was up at 4 a.m. and and doing the early morning thing. Now, right now, everyone listening to this is cluing in going, that's why Sean sounds so good on on this podcast. (laughs) She's got got an incredible voice for radio. So what what station were you doing? Uh, I was, uh, when I first went to Vancouver, I was with Kiss FM, which is now... Jack ninety six point nine, yeah, and um, and WX eleven thirty, which is News eleven thirty. I now. remember that when it was WX eleven thirty. Yeah, so, yep. but but it was country back then. 
Okay. So, and uh, then I went to CKNW and I was there for the majority of my career for over 14 years at CKNW and uh, CFMI Rock 101. And were you like news or weather or what were you doing? I was the traffic chick, which traffic. probably isn't the right right thing to say in this day <laughs> age. Well, I can think then, of other terminology if you want to go. <laughs> I think chick's okay. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's what we called ourselves. So, um, yeah, so I was the I was in the eye in the sky. I flew around the city and, and no way. Um, I did that forever. And and then because uh, CKNW was affiliated with BCTV, now Global, Mm-hmm. So then I went in, I did some TV there and I did um, some TV at CBC as well for about five years and, you know, just freelance stuff all over the place. Actually, one of the things that I did do through the 90s was uh, on location broadcasts on the weekends at new condo developments all over the place. No way. So, and that would have been yeah. early 2000s then or what? No, not in the 90s. In the 90s. So. Oh, you said 90s. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So I was at a lot of new development then. It was kind of a booming thing and we were all over the place and I met a lot of realtors and a lot of marketers that said, oh, gee, if you ever get out of this, you should become a realtor. And I'm like, well, I already thought of that. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was, it seemed like the, it was always the thing in the back of my head that I would do next. And uh, broadcasting isn't what it once was. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, you know, and then the older you get, it's like, well, do I leave or do I wait for them to have me leave? So, yeah. Did I you go started. to BCIT for that or where was your training? I did. For, you did? Yeah, okay. That's kind of yeah. like the place still, right? For anything TV radio related? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. I was at UVic to start with and was going to do a journalism degree, but I, I just wanted to get to work. So I got out of there and went to BCIT. I mean, it's a great program because it's two years and you're in work. I mean, all of their programs are like that. They're very work oriented, right? They so, are. Yeah. You don't take breaks. Yeah. My wife did a, uh, did a program there and you know, what she did in, in two years was equivalent to what a lot of people do in three or four. That's right. Yeah. 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 So, but it's a tough industry now, period. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be going into it now. Right. But, uh, I was lucky. I got kind of the tail end of the heyday, I would say, you know, hmm. it was a great, it was great. So Amazing. when you're like, I've actually also, I didn't realize we had a traffic pro uh, in, <laughs> in, in the, <laughs> on the call this morning, but now that I know we do, when you're doing the eye in the sky thing and they go to, they cut to you and they go, Hey, Sean, you know, we're up there. What are you seeing? Are you actually like seeing everything that's going on from up there in detail? Or uh, I've often wondered, like, how are they talking about something on the Alex Frazier from, you know, whatever, three kilometers in the air? Like, what do you, what do you actually see when you're up well, there? Well, we're only 1,500 feet in the air. Oh, so you're a kilometer and a half. Yeah. No, wait, what is that? Not... 1,500 feet. That's not even that far. No. Oh, wow. You're low. You see, okay. You can see a lot, a lot, actually. And, um, yeah, I mean, we did, oh, we did some crazy things from up there, like, um, had a, had a call in the newsroom one day. There's a police chase happening. Somebody had, I, I can't even remember what precipitated it, but anyway, the police are chasing this guy in North Delta and he ends up going over the Alex Fraser Bridge and into New West. And we followed him the whole way. And in the end, he came up, it was his snowed actually. So he came up in front of a house and stopped. The car door flies open. He gets out and runs. He runs behind the house and there's a behind and he's running across the field so we can see and then the police all come in and we see it from above so there's all these police cars coming from all directions 
and they bring out the dogs and the dog ran and took him down on the field. Like we just watched all this happen and wow. I was like play by playing it all. Right. So that's amazing. It was, it was, it was pretty exciting sometimes. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Lots of boring mornings, but lots of fun ones. Yeah. So 2007 you get, that's when you joined that. That's when you got your license. Yeah. Yeah. And then October. where did you, where did yeah. you go from there? I started at another brokerage in yeah. Walnut Grove. You can yeah. say the name. Um, it's okay. You yeah. don't have to be quiet. <laughs> it was Home Life in Walnut Grove. Okay. And uh, I joined up with Pamela Stunenberg. Oh, right. I, that's she right. She was okay. relicensing and her guy was, we knew each other because yeah. she was in this neighborhood as well. Her kids, you know, went to school with mine. Yeah. And um, so we joined forces there. Sweet. Okay. And we, you know, started off, started off pretty well and. First half of 2008 was pretty good, and then it, it every, every, stopped, everything went to crap in June. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, and, I and remember I thought, that. Oh, goodness, what have I done? But um, you oh. know, by the beginning of 2009, we were it just started up again. It was so strange. Wow. So yeah, huh. but it's always made me yeah like hang on to my money and watch where it's going, <laughs> just in case. Okay, so 2000, it, everything goes to hell in a handbasket in 2008. And then what did, you, what did you do? How did you, I don't know, how did you process that? Your brand, you're, you've just been licensed. Yeah, well, I've just been licensed and I had just, in fact, I kept working in radio right up until June of 2008. Oh, so you were, double, you were double dipping. Yeah, just for those few months. And then so Got June it. 2008, we'd, we'd done pretty well over the spring. I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I finish off in radio, and that was it. We didn't sell another thing for the rest of the year. So wow. that was, and I thought, oh my gosh, like what am what has happened here? So, hmm. but you know, we just kind of kept the faith, I guess. And by 2009, it slowly started to build up again. I can remember a listing in 2009, January 2009. It was like, poof, okay, here we go. And then it kind of, you know, came back. I remember that too. I I remember feeling pretty I, I even feel like it was still pretty crappy in early 2009 that was that was my great. that was my experience yeah. anyway but i do yeah. remember by kind of like halfway through 09 it felt like you know people didn't think we were all dying to the same degree that we felt like we were that's dying right. in, in late i mean that stock market crash was crazy that was a that was a worldwide that was a worldwide event everyone was just terrified um and yeah i remember people being frozen um at that time well, the unknown, right? It just gets us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you when did you join us? Oh, boy. When did we join? Uh, 2007, 8, 9, 10. I think it was 2011. 2011. And then the market, so when you joined us, I mean, the market kind of bumped along 11, 12, 13, 14. Yeah. It kind of started to pick up a little bit. And then everyone knows the story from, you know, 2015 forward. Yeah, yeah exactly. But yeah. yeah, that was a very... Uh, my memory of that time of those years was that you like, you had to work to uh, you did to, like yeah. it was it was a it was hard work from two thousand nine until two thousand fourteen. That's that's my recollection of those years. But it was if you worked hard, you got rewarded. But it was such different such different conditions than we have today. I looked uh, just before giving you a call this morning. I thought I'm going to check out the active inventory in the Fraser Valley just to see, cause I knew we'd end up reminiscing. And at that time it was totally common to have eight, nine, 10,000 homes for sale easily. Wow. 
Wow. In, in the Fraser Valley. In fact, we would be, we crossed 10,000 properties for sale uh, multiple times in the Fraser Valley board. And today we're almost as low. We're just over 3,200 as of ah. a few minutes ago uh, when I checked before I called you. So what a, I mean, it's just, it's And, and not look even at comparable. how many more people are here in those 10 years, right? Like oh, it, yeah. 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 It's yeah. not apples to apples. That's for sure. I mean, that, they, no. they, I remember um, when we get those updates monthly, they talked about uh, a couple months ago, they talked about the fact that, you know, the last time we saw inventory levels like this was in the 80s. But mm -hmm. in the 80s, you know, to your previous point, population was completely different. Absolutely. Uh, in the, I yep. mean, it was somewhat similar, you could say, in 2009, 10, 11. But in the 80s, it sure as heck wasn't the same. And uh, no. that's the last time we've had inventory like this. So it's, um, it's, a, it's a different world. What are you, uh, so what has your, um, I don't know, tell me a story about a, a recent buyer that you've been successful with. Like, have you, have you just been grinding it out with people uh, or have you been one of the lucky ones where you're managing to, to get places? Like what, what's your grind been like in the last few months? Oh yeah. The buying part has definitely been tough, but it, it is, you know, what I find because I work by referral, I end up all over the place and more so in the last few years because people are spreading their wings. Right. So mm -hmm. when you follow your clients, when you work relationally like that, you're, you're, you know, all over. So I've been, um, in Port Moody a bit with some younger buyers. I mean, it's kind of hip and cool and they love it. Right. And, mm -hmm. um, so it's interesting working with some people right now that are, they were looking there and there's some condos in the high rises. Not, I mean, they're selling and there's not many of them, but they're not in multiples or at least not all of them. So you kind of have a bit of time to think. And now they've kind of just, they're shifting gears a little bit and thinking about, um, something different. And what about, well, what about a, townhome in Willoughby, we, you know, kind of a comparable price range. And so I started going through some things with them and they're like, well, what do you mean it's gone? I'm like, it's gone. They're gone. As soon as they come up, <laughs> they're in multiples. They're selling. A, I just, I just heard back from one realtor cause he didn't have anything. I didn't know if it was gone or what. It was listed at 749. It sold for 850. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, and so this client's just like, what are you talking about? It's like, look, I told you, this is where, we're at. You just hadn't really seen it because where we were looking was kind of okay. So it's, uh, it's very frustrating with buyers, that's for sure. And I mean, when you get a listing, it's like you prepare for it, you work it, and a week later it's done, mm -hmm. right? Like It's, just, it's intense it's, work for like a 10-day period. Yeah. yeah, like you have to make sure you've got, okay, if we're going to list here, I have to be available completely weekend. I've got to be available to get this, to see this through to here. And, um, that's what you do. Right. And mm -hmm. then you, you know, it just kind of sit back for a week and kind of, I don't know, very odd, yeah. very odd. So do you have anyone in your, uh, buyer pool or people that you've been working with as buyers where you've, it's created a conflict in that like their expectations are not in line with market conditions and you've had to navigate difficult conversations or have you not had that? Has everybody been able to kind of get their head around the environment and you've figured out how to get them into a place? Um, I mean, I've had a few where they honestly had to lose a few first because yeah. they, they listen to you and say, Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I hear it's crazy. Okay. But until they actually deal with it, they don't quite get it. So, you know, they'll write an offer a little above and go, well, I've gone above asking. I'm like, yeah, this is not going to do it. 
okay. So we try and then find out where it's sold for and then, okay, now we get it, right? So it it does take some people a little bit to sort of see that, I think, mm-hmm. you know, even though you show them. But um, uh, yeah, it's just the most frustrating thing, isn't it? It's just honestly. And then I've got so many people kind of waiting in the wings like, yeah, we're thinking we'd like to make this move. Can you keep your eye open for this? Well, (laughs) I can, but, you know, if you're not ready to go, it's not happening. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's like this, there's this growing. So here, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an idea that we're kicking around in the brokerage here. Um, Something that I I believe we're we're moving ahead with, but it's not perfect or fine tuned, but it's, it's on that topic of, I think everybody has this growing list of clients where it's like, we could call it, we would move if, and, and they're, you know, they all live in various properties and they're all saying, well, if I could find X, then I would do this. So we were brainstorming around this about two weeks ago at our, at our team staff, you know, brokerage meeting. And so the idea we came away with was why don't we create an internal database of properties that we could sell? Meaning like these are the property types that we have in our wings, but the only reason we can't sell them is because we can't find something for those owners to buy. And so Way back in the day, you might remember, it was totally common within not just our brokerage, but many brokerages to have like, you know, we'd have this going list of um, brand new listings or listings coming to market and we would have office tours and, you know, we'd we'd oftentimes have these lists on the board in the office. And the only reason that we don't do that anymore is because the market has far outpaced anything like that, practically speaking, and it's not worth it. However, if we had a revolving list of like, let's say you've got a place where you go, okay, it's Fraser Heights, it's XYZ neighborhood, it's X amount of bedrooms, X amount of square footage. It's not necessarily an address. You're not putting an address out there, but it's it's a description of a home in detail enough where if we had this internal list and you know all 180 realtors have access to it, I feel like that could lead to some business that otherwise isn't happening because of, of how low the inventory levels are. And so we're just working through how to, how to create that and how to keep it updated and whether or not people would actually gravitate to that. What do you think of that? Oh, I think it could work for sure. I mean, it, that whole domino effect will come into play. So yeah, okay, we, I've got somebody who will buy that house and I'm like, okay, but we can't find anything for them. So, you know, so yeah, you did. Yeah, but it could work. And, and especially like if we had, if we had like, you know, I mean, we could easily have 150 to 200 properties on this list at all times, right? Just think of all the agents we have and all the markets they work in, in the Fraser Valley. I mean, that, that's probably even low. Like a lot of people mm-hmm. would have four or five people at one time. And so I'm th- you're right. It does create a domino problem because if you've got that place in Fraser Heights that I can sell and I come to you and I go, hey, Sean, I can sell that. You now go, okay, well, that's great, but I need to find X. But now rather than you only looking for X for those people, maybe now I'm looking for it too because I'm motivated because I want to sell Fraser Heights. Yeah. True. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, and then the other thing too is, is like, uh, this isn't true of all people, but I, I find some people don't want to go to market. So let's say someone's looking for a specific property, who know whatever it is, it doesn't matter, but it, let's say it's a hard to find property. And they go, well, we can't list our home because we can't be homeless. I think that some of those people would actually do a deal if somebody gave them a deal that said, okay, here's the money you want. And 
we'll, we'll put a subject to the seller finding something in there for like a month, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's not looked upon too favorably when you go to market. Like, you know, you can get a lot of pushback in the environment from other agents, but if you're not on the market and a buyer, you know, you got a buyer who goes, yeah, I want to buy that home and sure, we'll give you four or five weeks to go find something. That too is possibly leading to business that otherwise wouldn't have happened um, as a result of this, you know, the, the, this networking medium. So anyways, that's the, that, that's the thought process and we're gonna, I know we're working at it right now to try to create it and probably have this like digital revolving list like through our wants and haves or something like that. We, we haven't fine tuned yeah. it, but I don't know. It's obviously irrelevant in a world where there's 9,000 homes for sale in the Fraser Valley, but when there's only 3,000, we're all in this same spot and that would be like leveraging the the power of um of our agents right yeah i agree i think the only downside i see to that is that some people are going to feel like well yeah but shouldn't i go to market because who knows what i might have got <laughs> absolutely and and the reality yeah. is is that if you take 100 homes this this path might only be right for six people but that's yeah, still six that's people true. that otherwise wouldn't have done anything Right. That's true. So yeah. it doesn't. Ha I, I totally agree. I think there's some properties where you're absolutely brain dead if you don't go to market. But yeah. but keep in mind, some of these people are stuck. Right. They want to move, but it's this chicken and egg. How do I go about this and do it the right way? And so I think for some people, it could actually be the right the right situation. And I do feel like in in other eras when there was you know it was harder to sell a home we used to leverage the internal power of our brokerage more because we needed to, right? Like yeah, when yeah. you, when you couldn't sell something for three, four, five months, like the amount of stuff that went on internally uh, to get a place sold, I think was far more significant than today. And so it's harder. I get it when, when you've got an environment where, you know, you got 15 offers on the place, but I think that this is possibly a way that we can leverage our power. Cause the reality is, is that, you know, our agents sell a ton of real estate. So if we can figure out how to tap into that, maybe it leads to something we otherwise wouldn't have had. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Anyways, to be continued. We'll we'll see mm -hmm. if we can fine tune that. Well, I wish we'd see more inventory, that's for sure. But I don't see it happening anytime soon. Mm -hmm. I know. It's hard to know what leads to that. Did you hear about Latimer Heights? Do you know that build that in just in Langley there? that? Um, yeah, yeah, the towers. Yeah, sold out in whatever it was. 16 yeah. hours or 12 hours or yeah. whatever. Yeah, I know. I know. It's crazy. I mean, they don't even have to advertise or do anything. Actually, that there was a thread on Facebook about that, and they are talking about how it's all gone, and I thought, they're still running radio ads. Why are they even doing that? <laughs> <laughs> because you can't sign up. There's nothing to sign up to. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Do you have a new grandbaby? I do. I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. Yeah. But yeah. the one-year-old is a COVID baby, right? Uh, it must be yeah. well, like well, like born and born and yeah. born and COVID, but born, they're in yeah, they're yeah. in Australia or New Zealand. I always forget New Zealand. They're New in Zealand. New Zealand. Yeah, New Zealand. Yeah, so I haven't met her. Oh, you haven't. Oh no, I was actually there right before COVID hit. Um, so coming home, it was you know like, have you been in China? That those were the questions at the airport. That was right. the end of February. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and um, and my daughter was pregnant with the, the newest but mm -hmm. you know saw the other little guy at that time but yeah so we're waiting to, for something to change <laughs> yeah that's that's and what yeah. brought your daughter moved to new zealand many many years ago or how long ago uh yeah six years she's been there she uh, met her husband traveling in europe and uh there you go 
don't don't let your kids travel because you know what they won't come home <laughs> yeah we have i actually have uh, my my wife's parents are arriving they live in canada but they live on the other side of the country and they're arriving today and they haven't seen my kids in a long time so my household this morning was all abuzz with excitement for grandma and grandpa showing up oh so, that's wonderful yeah. Yeah. yeah well it's it's you know it's interesting being at this stage because this is what um, we talk about with our friends all the time, sort of where are we going when we retire? Because most people I know aren't being put. They're they're going to go somewhere or a lot of them. In fact, I've been moving friends away. So, I mean, I'm al- we're already seeing our friends go elsewhere. Where are they going? And it, um, Well, one couple went to Kamloops a year ago. Yeah. Um, you know, they're going up Sunshine Coast, maybe the island. So... And that's one of the discussions is like, okay, well, you you can't follow your, and I always say to them, you can't follow your kids, trust me, because <laughs> I've because my daughter's a lot older than my two boys, right? So mm-hmm. what's the, what's the age spread of your kids? She is 14 and 15 years older than oh, them. Wow. So they're, they're 19 and 20 and she's turning 34. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, with her, she left. She left home at 17 to go play soccer at a college in the States in Memphis. Yeah. And, you know, that she's like a gypsy. She's been all over the place. And and you can't follow your kids, right? They're going to go do what they want to do. And now our our older boy is in Calgary, and he didn't come home this summer. So he's like, no, he's at University of Calgary, and he's just there. He loves it. So we have one left. Do you have ambition <laughs> to, to, to be somewhere else? Like, how do you think through that? Do you think you'll be in the lower mainland forever or do you think of going no. somewhere else? No, we definitely won't be in the lower mainland forever. No. Well, what would no. you do? I think we'll go to the island. Really? Okay. Yeah. Is yep. that, I you've spent so. time there before or what makes you love the island? Yeah, I, I have, well, my, my family's all up in Campbell river. No, I don't want to go to Campbell river, but, um, a little further down the island, but yeah, um, that's, so my daughter and her husband, that's where they're, they're coming back to Canada in about a year. And that's where they're going to go. So, so you are going to follow your kids then? <laughs> well, I may follow them in that sense. But we actually started talking about it before she did. So that was kind of, you know, maybe fortuitous that we may end up all there. And then I may actually be around my grandkids, which will be nice. But my boys could be who knows where. Like, you, you know, they all have to go do what they're going to do. I mean, you mm-hmm. have to encourage that and let them do it, right? I, I think they grow immensely when they leave and leave everything like kind of leave the high school friends go and meet new people i think it's mm-hmm. huge yeah yeah so how do you okay ambitions in real estate how do you think through um i don't know what I'll, let me just leave clean slate like what do you how do you think through the whole concept of well grow your business do more than you did last year um become faster stronger whatever like what how does that roll through in your brain? And especially, I mean, at some point in time, it sounds like you're maybe considering a move in the not too distant future. So how yeah. do you work through those typical conversations that are, you know, that every agent needs to think through? Well, I, and that's what's interesting about being at this stage, right? Because, you know, I'm, I'm 14 years in the business, but I'm not a, a, a lifer, you know, um, so, yeah, I should still be looking at growing and all of that. And I, I am to a certain extent, but I'm also pretty content with a certain level to make a living and enjoy and, you know, be consistent. So 
so when you think about, yeah, retirement a couple of years away, it is pretty hard to think about, oh, yeah, I need to build, build, build. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It's a tough business in that sense because the competitive aspect of it is always there. And it, there's always that comparison that, you know, well, there's such a push towards big teams and all of this, like these are the guys, right? And you mm-hmm. think, well, are they like, are they, are they better because they sell more? Are they a better realtor or are they, you know, I don't know. I, I struggle with that sometimes, right? Because teams do, I mean, the, the, the concept of a team, this is, I mean, my opinion is that it's, it's not that it's a better, I mean, I guess you could, a team could structure it in such a way and say, this is a better uh, option for the client because we got more people. But but the the birthplace of a team is to have support for the agents. Like it, it's right. to, to 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 be able to work together and leverage abilities and cover for one another. I mean, I think that's where uh, the concept of a team starts. And then I think that some teams can certainly offer you know more service than an individual agent can offer if they're doing things well. But I mean, based on my conversations with people in my experience, most people end up in teams because they want to be with people, work together, and they like working together rather than working alone and they need support or want support. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. It has more to do with the agent than it does the client, is what I'm trying to say. And, yeah. uh, but I hear you, it gets pitched as though it's, you know, all based around client. But I do, I think some teams are very successful at creating a great team experience for the client but but even still it it kind of i think the root of it is in people wanting to be together and not alone yeah well it's very isolating that's for sure and this last couple of years has really driven that point home right i mean i have found that for sure i've struggled with that it's a very isolating thing i'm not you know someone who works well in isolation so if you don't have a couple of um colleagues that you chat with all the time at least then you're Pretty alone, right? Like, I mean, I never go into the office or once a month, basically. Because so, you just have no, you have no need to go, I right? I have no need and there's nobody there when I go usually. So yeah. for our office in Surrey, there's not yeah. a lot of, you know, if I do find someone there that I know, great. We have a chat and that's, that's yeah. kind of heartwarming, right? But yeah. that part's been hard, right? To not have sort of that social interaction. I mean, we're trying to bring that back now this fall with some some things happening. Yeah. 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 It is, it is shifting. Yeah. Like it, it, people are coming out of the cocoon slowly, I would say. Mm -hmm. And, and Mm -hmm. some of that is, you know, some of that is personal choice for people. I think some people too have just, uh, they've figured out a new way to live and do life and do their business. And they're probably never going to come back to the office in the same capacity that they once did. Right. And so it might mean that offices all, I mean, Heck, of course, all offices are going to be quieter than they were because of what's gone on. Yeah. But I think that's changing a little bit. Uh, but everyone's hesitant because I can, you know, for the last whatever year and a half, I feel like we're always looking over, over our shoulder going, oh, is there going to be a new uh, rule or thing that comes down from government saying, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. So it's, you know, you don't want to go and rev something up if you're just going to get shut down again. Is I know I have felt like that for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, like, why would David now come to Surrey to hold the Surrey meeting? Or, you know, that's never going to happen again, right? These online monthly meetings, it works. Everybody's there if they want to be. And 
yeah, I mean, certain things like that just aren't going to go back. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be, uh, I, I think there's going to be, we're going to have to find our, find our way in that. Like, because there's certainly a desire for people to see one another face to face. I know that in November, uh, we're going to do, for the first time in a long time, we're actually going to do some training. So I'm going to lead a business planning, a couple of business planning sessions for 2022. And we're actually going to go back and use the Surrey training room oh, okay. uh, again. And we're, and we're going to record those times so that people can view them whenever they want. But uh, we are going to do live training. And, you know, we'll probably have a capacity on the room of like 20 people. I'm not even sure, you know, we have to figure all that out, but, but we are going to do it in person because there's, there's a desire for it. I mean, I want to, I, I want to, I want to see people. I want to do things in person. I'm tired of Zoom. Yeah. But it's yeah, just, you know, I agree. trying to find the balance of like, what's allowed, what's responsible, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. But I can definitely say that I'm, you know, at the point where <laughs> I think I just want to start doing some stuff that we haven't done in a while because I can, I know for a fact, there's a strong desire from people to have that. So, so that's going to happen in November. We're going to have a few, oh, well, uh, a couple back-to-back -back sessions in November. Yeah. And I know there's some get togethers happening, um, as well. So yeah, we'll, we'll start to see it slowly. Yeah, I think good. change good. hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> that will be welcome. You, you have a group of, I mean, you, you're not, you're not in a team, but you have a group of people that you lean on for like sharing ideas and business planning and stuff like that, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So I do follow the Buffini um, program and we have a little Buffini group that is, uh, well, mainly our agents, but a couple of agents from other brokerages as well. So yeah, there's a group of about, how many of us are there? Maybe eight. So yeah, yeah. So we meet once a month. Uh, via Zoom at this point. And, um, you know, that's helpful just to be able to chat and talk things through or, you know, ask for help on something specific. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, that's definitely a lifeline. Like to not have that would be really difficult, I think. Yeah. And are you in the Buffini, how do you engage with the Buffini system? Are you um, like on the scale of are you like David Corey? In I'm just going to say, I'm not David Corey. Not, everyone points <laughs> at David Corey as well. He's Brian's favorite, let's be honest. Let, yeah, he, he certainly is. Um, actually, I've been with them 10 years. Oh, 10 years, okay. 10 years, but I, and I was coached for about seven, and I'm not coached now. Yeah. So I, for the last three, I guess. So they, they you know, frequently, you know, you're getting the calls all the time or you're coming back. And I keep thinking about it and then can't quite decide. So I just kind of keep doing what I do. I'm not as hardcore as David is, but, um, but I totally appreciate what he does. Like, mm -hmm. I think, you know, sometimes think, okay, I should be doing more of this, but it is great. Like, I just think the, the personal interaction of, of the system is, is so good for me. Like, that's what I thrive on. And I haven't like the Popeye stuff and all that haven't really done it much through COVID mm -hmm. and then just did it for Thanksgiving. And, you know, it's like, Oh, this is, yeah, this does feel good. Like I need to get, so I'm kind of trying to get myself going into doing more of it again. Did you physically pop by or how did you, how did you do yeah, a pop by? I physically popped by. How many, I, how many people? About 30, I guess. Okay. So I'll do it in groups like that. Like I'll kind of, you know, I did, so I did, pies you know the whole thanksgiving pie thing yeah yeah 
you know, used to be like a reverse pie party where they'd come to you, but that didn't work so well through COVID. So Mm -hmm. I was all over the place delivering pies um, before Thanksgiving. And then, you know, I'll do something else this week and next pumpkins, I guess. And that'll be some of the other people that I didn't hit with pies kind of thing. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a good way to to, um, try to meet face-to-face. If you don't, you know, with the pumpkin, at least you can leave it on the step, take a picture, text to them and say, hey, dropped off a little something, sorry I missed you kind of thing. So at least it gives you that touch, right? You get, and they're like, then people are getting back to you and then a little conversation ensues and there you go. So so what value do you get? Like if, if you had to answer, like, why are you with, why the Buffini program or, or what have you gotten from that? What, what is it that, that keeps you, keeps you going there? Well, I think return business for one, like, I mean, I just moved some people unfortunately to Kamloops, another, another couple to Kamloops. Um, but it was the sixth deal I'd done with them since I met them. That's amazing. Right. So, you know, between them and referrals. So it, it, there really is a relationship that builds. Right. And I Mm -hmm. prefer that. What I find, because I've had, you know, obviously I've had some online leads and leads through the office. And usually when I get those and work with those people, they confirm to me that, the referral method is better because I find you get people who don't really, they don't really know you. So they're not trusting you the same way. They didn't come word of mouth from someone they know and trust. Yeah. So they're second guessing you all the time. You're just another realtor. They just found you online. More often than not, those end up being the most difficult people. Like I just think, Oh gosh, why am I even doing this with them? And I just, I guess, I don't know. I'm not numbers driven enough to want to work with, everybody because I need that. I just am like, I want to work with people I want to be with. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, for me, that's what I find. And I know lots of people, you know, work the online leads and do very well. And, and you meet some great people that way too, but totally. more often than not, more often than not, I think you don't. Mm-hmm. That's my feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So and it's harder. It's harder work, right? It's hard. All right. And yeah. there's, I don't know what the stat is, but I, I know that you know, the amount, if you were to look at the, the, go back 10 years and look at the number of sales across the country in relation to the amount of online leads across the country in a year, and then look at that same metric 10 years later, the amount of online leads has grown exponentially, while the amount of sales are not that much more significant. Meaning that, you know, for every transaction where there used to be, let's say, originally one online lead per transaction, now there's 15 online leads. Yeah. And so you're just, you're fishing in a way more diluted pool against a bunch of other people. And it is hard. It's a grind. I have a lot of, I wouldn't want to do it. I understand why people do it. I have a lot of admiration for people that, 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 you know, stick to it and do it for a year or two years or whatever. And I think that it's, it's in some cases a necessity for people who are particularly newer in the business where where else, where are they going to encounter opportunity? And, yeah, you know, like if you, if you think back to your entry into real estate, like, you know, you came with experience, age, maturity, and probably already a ton of relationships, obviously, because yeah. of the connections you had. And so you could jump into a Buffini model and immediately have a rich database of relationships that you could be in contact with, right? But yeah. I watch people who are, you know, whatever, younger, let's say 23, 24, 25, they haven't had a previous career. 
how else can they possibly encounter opportunity except through uh, online leads? And it's not the only way, but it certainly is a convenient way to encounter opportunity. So I, I do get why people do it, but you're right. It is a, it's a freaking grind. Yeah. And I, I totally agree for, for younger uh, agents, newer agents. It's a great idea. Although I think at that stage, those are the people that should be joining a big team. I think that's where they're going to get the mentorship and the, and you know, the work really like mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense to me. And I even think I've been going back and forth in my head for, for me, if we go to the Island in the next couple of years, am I going to keep, working and I can't see myself going to a new area and starting again on my own. Mm. So what I could see is possibly joining a team and being a buyer's agent in a new area where right. I'm probably going to be dealing with people like me that are moving there. You know what I mean? So And you're told you might not know the area, but you're so experienced at at handling a transaction. Yeah. Hopefully that would be a neat little transition and um uh, well, my husband thinks I should do that because he says, what else are you going to do? I'm like, you know what? I've raised kids so long and worked that I feel like I don't have any hobbies. So I need to know what else I want to do and I can't figure it out. Do you not have any, you have no hobbies? Well, I, I mean, I don't, not really. Like I dabble in different things, but I don't have, like he has passions. He has things he will do and yeah. not a problem for him to find things to do. But I'm kind of like, yeah, I, I don't know. I could do a bit of this. I could try that. So, yeah, I'm not sure what it would be. Huh. So in, a, in any case, moving to a new area, if I were to do that and, and join a team, I mean, what a great way to meet people in the community and, you know, learn the community and all that. It would be ideal that way, right? So, yeah. so we'll see. We'll see what life brings. I don't know. There's lots of hobbies that you well, – there's lots of hobbies you can get involved in here, but the I would imagine the island is – well – Look at our province, right? There's there's opportunities everywhere oh, to do cool things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh no, I'll figure it out. You should get into. Uh, doesn't somebody that you know is it one of your kids? Who's a rower? Oh yeah, my son. We were just in uh, Victoria this weekend watching him row, and it was actually that's a funny thing because we ended up standing outside for hours waiting. They got delayed, and started talking to a fellow who was standing by us, and he's 77 and he rows. So he was there to watch some members of his club. He wasn't competing in this one. And he started telling me about how rowing is the best exercise as you age. It's incredible. Like, yeah, there's no impact, yep. but it's amazing Full for body. strength and all this. Yeah. Yeah. So then I started thinking, huh, interesting. So yeah, I yeah. <laughs> there's a Fort Langley Rowing Club. I just looked it up. Oh, actually, yeah. So I may go check that they out. They go up and down the river right in right in Fort Langley. Yeah, it's kind of a cool sport. I learned a lot about it uh, being there talking to him. So, um, my, my son just loves it. Yeah. So you know what's a good hobby? What's that? Eating. Well, that's the problem. <laughs> See that? That's probably the only one I really have down. So that's why I'm looking at others. <laughs> what do you What do you eat? What are you good at eating? What am I good at eating? Oh, <laughs> you got to be good. You got to be good at eating. Not like what can I eat? But what are you good at eating? What am I good at eating? Oh gosh, I don't know. Tapas and red wine, mm. probably. Yeah, stuff like that. Do you yeah. cook or do you not like to cook? Oh yeah, I cook. Yeah, I definitely cook. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you got Absolutely. hobbies right there. You like to eat, cook, yeah. and drink, drink, drink red wine. Yeah, but not the best, right? As I well, eat, it's not all the calories. Best. I get it. I know. Yeah. I had last yeah. night. I had 
mm, I'll be generous to myself. I'll say half a bottle of wine last night. My wife okay. and I, we both, we opened two bottles. I opened a uh, Pinot Noir and then she opened a Sauvignon Blanc. And then we both ended up having a little bit of both. And the good thing is, is like, you know, I woke up this morning and there were some left in both bottles, which means like, you know, we weren't complete idiots. But... <laughs> But it's but it's amazing because like you wake up in the morning and we both you know the alarms went off and we looked at each other and we were like oh like there's such a difference to how you feel uh, with and without alcohol in your body at least for yeah. me anyway like yeah. if I go like four five six days without a drink you know have my tea at night don't drink anything like I can I pop out of bed like a bunny rabbit <laughs> but but if you but if you have like you know whatever even like two glasses of wine but like let's be honest I didn't have two I probably had three. And then, yeah, I'm groggy in the morning. Yeah, yeah. But it tastes so good going down. <laughs> it is kind of great at the end of the day, I have to say. Yeah. <sighs> How are, yeah. are you like wine every day or no? Not every day. No, not every day. But but not just on days. weekends. Yeah, not necessarily, no. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe you're next. You're fishing out everybody's bad habits on these podcasts. You know that. No, I'm not. Come on. Who have I, who have I actually, I've maybe done that to one person that I can think of, but I don't, I've not, I mean, who doesn't drink wine? Everybody drinks wine. Well, some, some don't apparently. You said you like tapas, like, like appetizers? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean that in a social situation, yeah, that would, that would probably be my hobby, but that's not a great hobby to have. Do you make yeah. anything delicious? What's your best appetizer? Oh, my best appetizer. Oh, no, I don't know that I make any great appetizers. I'm more the dinner girl, I think. Okay. Yeah. Like roast yeah. beef Yorkshire pudding or what kind of... No, what not you... that at all. We don't eat any red meat in this house, so... Only red wine. So what do you like to cook? Only red wine, exactly. So, yeah, more like the fish and things like that, I think. Okay. You yeah. eat a lot of seafood? Yeah. Yeah, we eat quite a bit. Salmon especially. Mm. So, yeah. That's delicious. Yeah, it is delicious. Yeah. So when you love move it. when you move to the island, you can somehow incorporate your love of wine and seafood, and that would work perfectly well. You just got to find a way to make it a make it a hobby. Yeah, exactly. Well, how does that work? I'm not opening a restaurant, so it won't be that. But uh, have my restaurant days behind me. You know. Did you so. do restaurants? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I did the keg, and um, oh, like you were a server at the keg. I was a server at the keg, yeah. Way back when, in the 80s, actually, when David first toured us through Little Oak in Abbotsford, uh, we were introduced to John Corey. Oh, okay. And I said, well, John, I actually, we've met, and I can tell you exactly which stool you sat on at the bar at the keg. Oh, this is gold. Concerned. Yeah. Where, so, what, which keg? Abbotsford keg, right where Little Oak is now. So you worked in that keg? Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is amazing. And so yeah. tell me, tell me, John must have just been a scoundrel at the bar. What was he doing? Oh, he was lovely, actually. <laughs> he was lovely, but he'd be there with um, the Cohegs and... Um, yeah, Paul and Peter, there? yeah. Paul and Peter, and um, there was another realtor now that I can't think who it is. Mm, probably, hmm. I don't know, they're not a, yeah. I can't think of his name, um, but I know there's another guy. Jim, there. Jim, no, not, not Jim. It would have been maybe one of the home life guys back then. I can't think. Yeah. So anyway, you served the, those guys at the Abbotsford office, which was then the keg. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good story. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those were the days. Yeah. Working at the keg. It was pretty fun. Well. Pretty crazy, but pretty fun back in the maybe, day. Maybe don't go back to that. Although the keg, you know, uh, um, I, 
Did you have fun doing that? Did you enjoy it? Oh, I loved it. Yeah, totally loved it. Yeah. I have yeah, a, um, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, so back in that day, you know, the, the girls were hostesses and cocktail waitresses and we all wore long dresses to the floor. Okay. Like it makes it sound like it's a little house on the prairie. I don't know why they all had to wear long dresses, but that's what we did. And guys were the servers. Only guys served dinner. <laughs> and and then at that time they were like they were like breaking the rules, like they were going all out in you know, towards the twenty first century, I guess. Yeah. And they started allowing having a girl kind of a token girl. So I was the token girl that became a food waiter. Really? Yeah. So that was a big deal in the early eighties. God, it mm. sounds like I'm a hundred. Anyhow, yeah. It was really ridiculous when you think about it. <laughs> I have a, uh, so my, the extent of my serving ability was I went so high up the food chain as Boston pizza way back in the oh, day. Okay. Yeah. And, but I, I'm a, like, I love food. I love dining out at nice restaurants. I love the whole experience. And I have a lot of admiration for uh, a really good server, right? Like some, somebody totally. who can like take control of the table and, and kind yeah. of lead the way and, you know, do it right. Right. So, yeah. I have this reoccurring thought in my head that um, at some point in my life, I actually want to be a server. Not that I, <laughs> not, I, I know this sounds crazy because like, you know, I've got a different career, but if there was an opportunity where like, let's say I'm like a mainstay at a particular restaurant that I love, I would say to that owner, I'd be like, hey, I will serve for you for free. Like, I just want to be able to do that from time to time because I love food, I love wine, I love people, and I would love the opportunity to have that responsibility for a table because I think that that's a really valuable and amazing thing. When you have a great server, that can really change uh, a meal and an evening out, right? And so yeah. I have this desire to do that. At some point in time, I, I know I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure out a way to do it. There's actually, there's even a restaurant in Abbotsford here. It's, it's more of a, it's Abbotsford's most like fine dining restaurant. I actually just took Dave Bawa there the other day and he was quite impressed by it. Uh, I, I would, I would do it there if I could. Um, I haven't shared this idea with the owner, but maybe I will at some point. Cause I, I just think that'd be a lot of fun. And I loved when I was a server at Boston pizza, I made so much money in tips. Yeah, me too. Because I just like, I don't know. I, I it was natural and I just felt, I thought every table was an opportunity to, you know, just have fun and do something unique. And I appreciate it when, when I'm out for dinner and there's a great server. I, I appreciate that a lot. I do too. I totally agree. And it was the time in my life where I had more cash in my pocket than any other time. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, it can be yeah. lucrative. I have a, yeah. I have a friend who's a school teacher. She still serves at the keg in Abbotsford because yeah. she can't give up the money because the money is so good. She'll serve there like once or twice a week and she's been there forever, right? Like she's probably worked at the keg on and off for like 15 to 20 years and it would just be brain dead for her to not do that. And she enjoys it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, this past weekend we were in Victoria watching my son row. And when I left the Abbotsford keg, I moved to Victoria and worked at one there. So I went back to that keg the first time in like, oh my gosh, I hadn't been in there in over 30 years. So that was really weird to go back and see that keg. And that one was, yeah, the money we made there was unbelievable. Like, I just, wow, it was so great. Yeah. So yeah. it was kind of fun to relive that. No doubt. Yeah. 
it's definitely the way to go if you if you like as a student that's you know I tell I tell my boys this is what you need to do and so my son in Calgary worked at Earl's over the summer and he's like you're right I said I told you oh yeah it's incredible yeah, yeah. yeah. if you if you put effort into it and you get mm -hmm. and you know like I mean there's better times to get shifts and you know the bar tables versus the dining tables in different restaurants all, all different yeah. and it's busy and hard sometimes right but it's, it's exhausting yeah and loud yeah. super loud well, i couldn't do it now it would be too exhausting i'd die but when you're young yeah it's the best totally yeah yeah what's uh what's the rest of your day like you got any big appointments today i do i'm going out <laughs> trying to see a couple of townhomes so where what market yeah in willoughby which is really difficult but um yeah, managed to get into a couple. So again, we'll go through the process of like, well, this is not what it's going to sell for. That market's yeah. insane right now, right? Like the Willoughby, yeah. I think yeah. is like Willoughby townhouse market. I think Joe Pertap told me yesterday, he said, it's just like, you, you can't get anything and it's a hundred grand over. Yeah. Easy, easy. So yeah. Anyway. So these are brand but... new listings that are going to take offers in five days or something or what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Well, yeah. Well, uh, I'll, uh, We'll leave you to it. I'm I'm certainly appreciate uh, appreciate your time and um, yeah, hanging out. It was fun. I like I like chatting with you. Yeah, fun to catch up for sure. And hopefully, we'll see each other at more social things as we move forward here. Totally, and for sure, like I said, in in November, we're gonna have some uh, in person 2022 business planning. That you're, you're gonna see announcements on that relatively soon. I would think we'll we'll see you there. I'm sure. Awesome. That's great. Good news. Have a great day, Sean. Yeah, thanks so much, Andrew. Take Bye care. Bye-bye.